Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're talking about Disney Pixar's Turning Red. The movie's out, and it's surprisingly a little controversial, so I'm excited to talk about uh, <laughs> talk about it, see what Andy thought. We're also going to talk about Netflix's The Atom Project, uh, an otherwise small film that I wasn't paying much attention to, uh, that is doing really well now. And, 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 and I'm not sure why, but apparently it's doing super good, so... Yeah. Hey, Andy, can you hear me any better? Hold on. <laughs> yes, I can. Yes, I can. Indeed. I just realized, just realized my microphone was turned on like one, like just just no volume at all. Anyway, I'll fix that in post. Hopefully I'll fix that in post. Uh, we're also going to talk about, I said the Adam Project, I'm talking about the 2021 Global Box Office and where it's at in relation to like 2019. And it seems silly, um, but believe it or not, even though the box office, you know, films are back in an upswing, uh, we're not quite where we used to be, and it might be worth talking about. And before we get to all of that, we need to talk about the news. Our first story this week, Warner Brothers is shifting dates uh, for some of their upcoming releases, which is weird, because it seems like their upcoming releases lately have been doing really well, right? Uh, Andy, why, why, are they, why are they moving stuff? What's going on here? Uh, the, the only thing that I've heard is that it's a delay in some of the effects production, but that's only part of the story. That's, or that's only some of the reason. I don't know what the rest of them, what the rest of the reasons are. Um, but some of these are some pretty big, uh, shifts. So starting with the flash, which was supposed to come out this year, November, 2022, um, is now being pushed way back to June 23rd, 2023. Uh, so that's a huge. I was so looking forward to that. Um, so that's really disappointing. Uh, Aquaman and the Last Kingdom is being pushed from Christmas to March of 2023. That's not not a huge, huge bump. Uh, Timothy Chalamet's Wonka. <laughs> he, he will, he's going to be playing uh, Willy Wonka in the Char- Char- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Re- yes. reboot remake. Whatever uh, he sings, that's, he dances. Oh yeah, yeah. That's being moved to Christmas 2023, which was supposed to come out spring 2023. Uh, so some of this is being moved up. Shazam: Fury of the Gods, the sequel to uh, Shazam, is actually being moved forward to uh, this Christmas, uh, December 16th. It, it was supposed to actually be out a little bit later. One of the other big shifts is Black Adam. The the Rock, D- Dwayne Johnson's superhero movie was supposed to come out this June or July and is being pushed to October 2022. So still this year, but just moved back a couple of months. So a lot of big shifts for a lot of major things we were looking forward to. One of the things I think it's really not- not- notable about this announcement is that it didn't it didn't just come out of nowhere. Um, of all people, Dwayne Johnson posted about it on Instagram just a few hours before Warner Brothers actually made the announcement. Said, "Hey, big announcement for my fans! Two of my movies are moving: uh, Black Adam, and then also uh, this DC." League of Super Pets movie, which he's also in, uh, is being moved as well. So he he got on to announce that, and then a few hours later, Warner Brothers followed. Um, surprising. He's just let, just letting the talent get out in front of that. Maybe they didn't know he was going to say it, or maybe they just gave him the room. Uh, either way, he is the biggest, still probably highest earning action star right in the world, and you know, good for them. Just let just letting him run with it a little bit. He's he's the guy. Why not? He's Black Adam. Let let him tell the world. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a neat way to break bad news. Like how how better to break bad news than with the most chari- charismatic man on the planet? Yeah. More importantly, I, I think the only other thing that's really noticeable notable here is moving to just just really 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 sly. They're moving Black Adam and Shazam two closer together, right? Just a little bit. Like yeah, push yeah, one back true. and bringing one up, and and that's before you true. know it, those movies are, are are a little closer together than they used to be. 
Um, I know Black Adam takes place in the Shazam universe. I don't know why. Maybe there's something in that. Um, but it's still a bit of a surprise, yeah, considering our next bit of news. Uh, the, the Batman is destroying it at the box office. God, Batman enjoys a $66 million weekend and blows past $238 million in the U.S. Uh, overseas, it's doing even better, I think. Uh, Andy, what, what, do you, what do you know about this? Batman is doing great. Good numbers. This is what we anticipated. So much so that there was no theatrical competition this week. There were no new releases for March 11th in theaters, um, which I think is, is really funny because it's, everyone basically got out of the way of Batman. No one wants to compete and lose money. Um, and there were new releases on streaming, which is what we're going to talk about this week. But it, it's doing great. It's approaching. Uh, it's probably crossed 500 million already. Yep. Uh, I know overseas is also doing really well. I don't have... Uh, what do I got in there? Nope, that's about Uncharted. I'm wondering if I have actual like international information. I don't know if I do. But I read somewhere that this is like the 10th highest grossing film since the pandemic. Now, like this has slipped into the top 10. I think it just beat Godzilla v. Kong over, over, like, over the world, which is crazy. Um, I feel like I didn't think it was going to do this good. I'm going to be honest. I, I thought the Batman was a little artsy. I thought it's slow. It's dark. Uh, not that many people are going to uh, hop up and go see it. So uh, a little like Spider-Man somehow, even though it's a comic book movie, I'm surprised. I I thought it was going to do exactly how it's doing. I was As long as it wasn't some sort of kind of weird bomb or yeah. something way out there, like as much as I love The Matrix Resurrections, it was a really w- strange way to go with it, with that franchise. And, it, and yep. you know, barring doing anything like that, um, I thought it was probably going to be a big hit, and it absolutely has. It. But even despite being three hours long, which means fewer show times, I think that's one fewer show time per day, Yeah, um, people are still going out. And it is, you know, it's a dark, film dark not just like visually but, but in in tone and mood it's, it's not like you know you know get the family together and watch the batman like it's uh, no no uh so so it's got a, a lot of things that are maybe counter counterintuitive but at the end of the day it's batman and people will definitely come out to see him have you seen it again since we saw it for the show i have not oh really oh what are you doing i i went saw it again just just last it's night been busy uh second impression uh i think i liked it more than the first time i saw it and i really liked it the first time i saw it i think it would be super good um it's generally how things especially like the plot is a little complicated so the more you the better you understand it going in probably the more enjoyable it'll be yeah small hot take good opening shot anyway uh enough about the batman one more thing before we move on to our next story <laughs> enough, uh, speak, more. well it's not necessarily about the batman but about comic movies in general and you know what the next big comic book movie is Morbius. Oh, oh man, they, they, they had a whole new trailer in front of the Batman last night that I still haven't seen. A new trailer for Morbius. My this, God. This movie's been delayed like almost two, two years. And I it's, so, it's so vapid. It's going to be a, this, it's gonna be a yeah, hit. It's going to be this, a hit. I think it's going to be a hit. This trailer I saw last night was completely devoid of like character. It gives away the ending. Like they're just, just throwing all of it at the wall. It's going to be so, It's I think it's going to be a bad movie. It's going to make a bunch of money and it's going to remind everybody, hey, don't assume all comic book movies are good. Just because we've had a glut of some good ones lately does not mean they're all going to be bangers, Um, but we'll see. Maybe it'll be great. I don't know. Maybe more will come out and be super good, but I just, I just have a feeling. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a hit. That's I I think it'll, yeah, I mean, Sony's done good with, I mean, the two Venom movies are not good films by any means and they're both huge money makers. Yeah. Well, 
Our last story this week, uh, HBO Max and Discovery are going to be bundled uh, to, to combine for what the what the Warner CFO says is a, quote, blowout. He said it's going to be a blowout product, uh, HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Um, can, can Warner <laughs> Brothers get any bigger? Can AT&T get any larger? Like, Andy, what, what do you know about that? Well, so that's that's the thing. AT&T is selling uh, Warner Media. It's spinning off Warner Media. It's selling off to uh, something completely different. And that's what's happening is it's merging with Discovery. And instead of having two different services, they want to combine them for some huge blowout service um, that's going to be HBO Max and whatever's on Discovery Plus, which is, I think, a lot of nonfiction uh, kind of programming. Uh, initially they will just be kind of separate bundles uh, and they're hoping to do this quickly. There are no dates yet, uh, but they're hoping to get this done in a few months. Um, And we don't have anything like a price point uh, yet, but that will be coming. But eventually they, they want to just have it one giant product of both HBO content and discovery. And maybe they'll call us something new. I tell you, I think that's smart because I, could not care less about discovery plus and have no interest in 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 buying that product but if it's paired with what is currently probably the best streaming service out there like come on like sudden suddenly it's a shoe in right like why wouldn't you go for it uh i have no idea what kind of content is on discovery plus if 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 it's anything like the last time I watched the Discovery Channel on cable television Ancient a decade aliens, ago, the history it's diet, talent, no. yeah, it's 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 Diet the Learning Channel, which is just complete trash for your brain at this point, right? That's going to be like hoarders, <laughs> like old episodes of Man vs. Wild, like yeah, uh, who cares, right? Uh, Andy, do you think there's any value in adding this to HBO Max? uh um, subscribers i mean do, do you care are you excited about getting discovery plus content i i am not at all i don't know i don't even know what's on discovery plus my, my worry is what is this going to cost because if ATO max is already 15 dollars, and if you add a whole nother service to it if you combine it you're going to have to add a, some sort of price point to it you're going to have to charge more um or you or you just combine them both and say you know it's still fifteen dollars you're getting you know twice the product for the same price something like that yeah um, um so i just whipped open the discovery plus website because i really wanted to know bit of bit of bit of live production for y'all at home uh it looks like discovery plus represents channels such as hgtv food network tlc animal planet discovery a and e lifetime the history channels in here there you go the travel channel uh the science channel like yeah, okay. And their big claim here is uh, get up to 55,000 episodes of television for $5 a month. Four ninety nine a month is what they cost. $7 ad-free. Um, if you want to check out Discovery Plus for yourself, head to discoveryplus.com. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this is like a pack-in bundle almost. Like, I can't imagine who is subscribing to that, right? Like, who cares? about what's going on in Discovery Plus. Uh, I hope this I mean, doesn't get- sully the, the 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 mighty HBO brand. That's what I hope. I hope I don't end up having to dig through crap like television to get to the stuff I want to watch. Um, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And like I said, light on details at the moment, but uh, that'll be coming within the few next few months, I guess. Yeah. Um, so keep it here on Offscript for more exciting news about HBO or streaming services or movies in general. Usually movies is what we do every Tuesday when we go live on Facebook or just, you know, record and post our episodes. 
with that being said, I should move very quickly into turning red because I feel like I'm starting to circle myself here. So uh, this movie is uh, available on Disney Plus. It's Pixar's new feature. I should uh, clumsily switch to this. The movie is turning red. So Turning Red is the story of Mei Lin, a 13-year-old Asian-American living in, well, I'm Asian-American, Asian-Canadian living in Toronto. Yeah, not actually in America. It's in Toronto, I should say. Uh, In the year of our Lord, 2002, uh, Mei is getting along with her friends, making straight A's and helping out at the family shrine. Uh, It's a family shrine to uh, the mighty red panda that the Lin family owns in Toronto. Uh, she gets along with her mom. Things are good. But one night she awakes to find that overnight she has turned into a giant red panda. Uh, and as a mark of adolescence, this is something all of the Lynn girls go through. Uh, May has to decide whether or not she wants to turn into a giant red panda whenever she gets really emotional uh, or if she wants to get rid of this curse and become a normal girl for the rest of her life. Uh the movie is Pixar's latest feature. It was uh, kicked straight to, I shouldn't say kicked, sent straight to Disney Plus. Uh, despite Pixar's best efforts, it was not released in theaters this weekend. Um, and it's been surprisingly contentious, which I want to talk about a little bit. It, it hasn't been too contentious, but I feel like there are some people who... There's been some hot uh, takes. Yeah. Yeah. have some interesting hot takes about this movie. So we'll, we'll get to the... We'll get to the kind of the public perception, I think, at the end. But for now, Andy, I got to know, what did you think of Turning Red? Uh, so I really liked it. It's a it's a sweet movie. Uh, I will say, th- some people are absolutely in love with it. Some people are just having really really positive emotional reactions to it, and that's really great. That's what we what we want from cinema. I <laughs> do not feel that strongly about it. I do like it. I do think it's good, but uh, some people are, are just think it's the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, so, but I, I did think it is good. It, it has a fun story of, you know, adolescence coming of age um, represented by the red, the, the red panda. And there's a lot of other, you, you know, it, it's about, the, even though it's about these young girls, there's still a lot that any, everyone can kind of relate to because it's, it's about the awkwardness of, of your body changing, the awkwardness of, you know, you start to... Uh, have feelings for for the opposite sex you you know you start stop getting along with your parents it's those kinds of, of adolescent struggles and it's it's told through these you know really funny animation of like the panda bursting forward and it's funny because she gets like just little if she doesn't get totally worked up she just gets like like her her arm will turn into a paw or she'll get like the the ears uh those kind <laughs> kinds of things yeah uh, so what it, it yeah. yeah, so it, so it's a really like cute and and fun movie, and I was glad I was able to to watch on Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, so Andy and I are at a bit of a disadvantage uh, when it comes to turning red, and I think this is this this may be part of that like critical reception it's, be, it's been getting. And like I said, I'll talk about the end. I don't mean for this to sound as slanted as it does, but uh, we are not necessarily in like <laughs> the time. The, I don't want to say we're not the target. We're we're not not the target. Right. We're not not 13 year old girls in 2002. We're not 13 year old girls at all. We never will be. Um, And, and that's uh, a challenge because a lot of turning red isn't just about adolescence and puberty. It's about having your first period, which is something that Andy and I obviously have never had to experience. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have been like surprisingly turned off by this 
they think it's maybe too adult. They think it's not really for kids. They think it's it's like too over the top, too too on the nose with the messaging. Um, and I I uniquely disagree. I think Turning Red is kind of important because I've never seen a movie that addresses this stage of adolescence for this very large group of people in a way that's so direct, but also so charming and accessible because it's not just about like a, a young girl having her first period. It's, it's about growing up and being excited about something uh, for, for May Lynn and her group of friends. It's this boy band called four town that they're super excited about. Um, and it's about having that, those kind of horse blinders on when you're a kid and just being so infatuated with something that you can't get over it. You get emotional about it and you can't control that. And the world around you doesn't understand it. Um, and how your parents deal with that. Like, I, I think the message it's telling is important. And I also really love the way it tells it. Turning Red is this like really brilliant tribute to anime. Uh, director Domi Shi uh, is a huge anime fan. Her her last work was a short with Pixar called Bao. I forget which movie that ran in front of, but really good short. Um, and she wanted Turning Red to be like this very visual representation of of canada and 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 growing up in toronto but also like magical transformation anime right just like uh sailor moon and and uh, yeah there's yeah, all there, kinds there's, there's all kinds a, of anime stuff in here like just just from the trappings of what they wear to their faces and how they act a lot of the animation like very anime so combine those two things this important story about adolescence and like anime and put it in a pixar blender like what's not to love like i, I think it's great um so yeah like that's that's how i've come out on this but i want to talk about the movie proper and i know i'm talking way too much go ahead andy yeah uh so one of the thing the things that this movie does so well is is just re representation uh first of all this i i saw this was the only like the fourth movie in the 25 films that Pixar has made that has had a female lead. So it's, it's representation and it's a young Chinese girl and, and her family. Um, and also, yes, it, it doesn't shy away from the topic of, of menstruation, which is not, which is also not the focus though. Like that's like no. when she turns into the red Panda, like it's an allegory. Yes. But that's the movie is not about menstruation at all. There, there's a couple of jokes and, and that's, and that's what, you know, I, I've talked with uh, several women about this and they said, you know, that's what they loved is that the movie wasn't afraid to like talk about it, to show like those, those things, the things involved in, in that, because uh, they, they said, I've never seen that on, on a show, especially one for young girls. And that's a very important thing that happens and that there's no reason not to talk about. Yeah, a, very much so. And, and, and it also like has this wonderful kind of story running underneath it of, of, of a daughter trying to connect with her mom. Um, and at the beginning of the movie, this is going great. Like the, the mom and the daughter get along great and things are good. And she likes helping out at home, even though her friends think she's totally brainwashed because she's like runs home every night to help out at the shrine. But uh, that, that starts to kind of, there starts to be a divide there. And these, these two very similar characters start to trek away from each other and it's bringing them back together. Um, that, that makes this, that, that's, what am I trying to say here? It's a really good B plot. That's that's what I'm trying to say, I right. guess. And and go ahead. <laughs> right. So so part of how this okay, we have the premise. She turns into the panda. She's trying not to turn into the panda. But how how do we move forward? So the the kind of larger plot that's happening is that the boy band Four Town, of which there are five members, uh, 
are are coming to town and uh, they want to see him, but it's expensive. It's two hundred dollars a a ticket, and they're thirteen year olds. They don't have any money, so they start to hustle the panda there, like because they're everyone loves at school loves the panda. So they start basically doing like a show in the bathroom. <laughs> Pay us five dollars, you can see the panda. You can pet the panda, um, and so they 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 start hustling hard to 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 raise money to to go to the show. Obviously this, this hair brain scheme goes wrong at, at some point and feelings are hurt and, uh, things are undone. Uh, but th- that's part of what, what is keeping this movie going. So we have a, a very relatable, you know, plot of the kids are trying to go to the concert that, that their, you know, parents don't want them to go to kind of. Yeah. And, and, and Malin's mom obviously is trying to protect her, right? She, she wants to, uh, keep her daughter safe from this red panda curse, but also uh, she doesn't want her to go to a boy band concert, right? With a bunch of boys and and hip hop lyrics, like, and she doesn't really like her friends either. Um, and 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 Maylin is is put in this really interesting position because she has to manage this home life and school life, and and school life is much a much better reflection of who she really is. That's her personality, right? But her home life is where she comes from, like, and that's tradition, and that's that's who she's supposed to be. Um, so Turning Red like, is surprisingly efficient in its 96 minutes. Uh, it's got good pacing. It moves really quickly. Uh, we, we are bouncing from scene to scene. And I really, really like the animation, the, the way it's presented. Mm-hmm. And a surprising number of people have said that it's simple. They said, well, this, this is like Pixar dumbed down. And I don't, I don't get why people think that. I guess because of the anime trappings. Like it's some of the facial animations are a little simpler. But like that's stylistic that's the point it's like saying luca is is bad animation because it's dumbed down like no 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 you're missing the point (laughs) like it's 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 supposed to be that way um and toronto's beautiful in this movie like i i love the colors of everything here it's a lot of neons lots of bright hues lots of pastels and sunsets and skies um really tremendous presentation I, i love the way it looks and i love the way it moves yeah, I the I definitely caught the anime references, and it's not just in the facial things. They're, they take a lot. Um, it's it's also in uh, the characters' reactions and some of the action, particularly uh, the third act ha- has a, a lot of action, and it's mo- much more than I expected the, this kind of this movie to have. Um, and yeah, a lot of it is completely taken out of like in any modern anime that that you're watching, um, which is just a neat little thing that makes it really really unique. Yeah, and it's got a good script, too. I think Turning Red's funny. I didn't laugh a lot, but it was a lot of smiles from the couch for me. Meanwhile, my wife was watching with me. She thought it was hilarious, so maybe that's uh, a, a soft review from her. But uh, it's funny. It, it moves efficiently, and, and I didn't feel like I was left out. I think that's something that people have said. that, that Well, if you're, not, if you're not a young girl, then this doesn't apply to you, and you don't get it. No, no, that's not how movies work. Like, there's, there's a lesson here, whether you're a boy or a girl or anything anywhere. Like, you can be yourself, right? You, you, can, you can learn something new and do new things, and, and, and I think that's exciting. And that's something that Turning Red does. It does something I haven't seen in other films. I think that's important, right? That stands out. Um, mm-hmm. Not everybody feels that way. Yeah, I and I, I think one of the things is is uh, Maylin and her friends they, like they look like teenagers, like they look like these kind of like sweet dorky girls, as opposed mm-hmm. to like I don't know something like Euphoria that has like models <laughs> portraying yeah. high oh, high God. school kids. Um, and, and it reminded me a little bit of eighth grade as well because eighth grade does that uh, as well. The uh, uh, Bo Burnham film from uh, a few a few years ago, which is about the the, the hardships of, of growing up and uh, the awkwardness, the 
yeah, just the difficulty of, of coming of age. Uh, and yes, where are we segueing to the controversy? Just about. It, it, I did want to say, though, I definitely also thought about eighth grade from Bo Burnham, like same kind of energy mm-hmm. here. Like it, this this movie really gets inside its character's head. And that character is such a far cry from what I'm used to seeing. I don't see, like we don't see movies from the perspective of young girls in modern times with texting and cell phones. I mean, the, Turning Red is in 2002, but fundamentally it's it's a very similar vibe. Maybe 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 even a good double feature. The controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, what uh, dun, dun, dun. do you, do you want to explain this or should I? Uh you you I I only learned about this this morning. Actually, yeah. So. so so turning red when the when the embargo lifted uh, to, to to start putting out reviews a few days before the film came out, one of the reviews from I think it was San Antonio. I think it was I think it was the Texas joint. Uh, a San Antonio reporter ba- basically trashed it, and they said this movie doesn't work. Uh, it's all about puberty, and that's bad. Um, I'm not a 13 year old girl, so it can't apply to me. This is terrible. Uh, and since then, I think the, the publication pulled that review and, and, uh, yeah. people, people man, have, man have, got, have, yeah, man went yes. after him on, and, and what's weird Twitter. is I think independently of that, a lot of other people have been arriving at the same conclusion. Like there's a surprising number of people who are coming out of this movie, like, down bad or something like i don't get it i I don't i I, and it's confusing to me so i think it's worth talking about at least for a minute because i i think if you like this movie and you've bothered to listen to this review you might already be aware of that and i just wanted to i don't know get get andy's hot take i guess um right so that's i mean to me that's just blatant sexism because the majority of films are have male leads um and it's it's something like only uh 25 to a third of, of films have female leads at all so i mean all we're used to only seeing uh male protagonists and in the one time you get you have a female protagonist all of a sudden it's like oh i don't relate to it at all yeah. um so to me it's just kind of basic uh sexism the other thing is like that and that reviewer it literally said this is pixar's horniest film which i find really grotesque to describe like you know middle school uh, that way yeah. like well i mean there is you know there are elements of them they're starting to have feelings for the opposite sex or starting to develop like crush small crushes uh uh we, we just call that romance man we don't yeah <laughs> there's nothing sexual about it. and that's the thing like when we've had these these same issues with male-led films and yeah when it's that it's it's romance but when it's for teenage girls it's oh you, you guys made a horny film so that's I found that really pretty distasteful way of dis- describing it. And yeah, there, there, but it's a whole lot of like, oh, you know, because they're like fawning over the 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 boy band, uh, you know, as girls do. Yeah, like you every know, like, thirteen year old girl ever. Yeah, right. Um, um and it's, no, it's I, completely fine. So that's, uh, yeah, I was shocked. I actually, I literally woke up this morning and there was like a message on my phone asking me like, what are your thoughts on this controversy? And I was like, what. What controversy? Yeah. What controversy? Yeah. yeah, and and like it's weird because like I said, he's not the only reviewer to arrive at this conclusion. Like since it's come out, a lot of a lot of amateur critics, audiences have said this. Like I I I think it had, if I remember correctly, something like a ninety. Uh, 90% on critics from Rotten and like a 66 from audiences on Rotten because mm-hmm. a lot of audience members feel this way. And it's, I I think you're, you're right. Number one, Salty men. Except, That's it's sexism. Like. Yeah. And it, it's this pearl clutching attitude. Uh, number two, um, I, you know, I, I think, I think this, 
the 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 analogy or really really even the running theme of of like this young girl growing into adolescence and having her first period is like shockingly taboo for a group of people out there that need to get over themselves like this is not a big deal it's really not it's a movie movies are about escapism and well what i'm what was i can't remember what was the movie with like middle schoolers that had a ton of like sex jokes in it um from a couple years ago Uh, jacob chamberlain was yeah yeah, yeah, something something like that yeah 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 i mean that's the thing like you you'll put out what is essentially a raunchy teen comedy with a bunch of 13 year old like 10 like 11 12 13 year old boys right and no no one says anything but like you have four adolescent women women very innocently fawning over yeah. uh you know in a disney feature pop, pop, yeah pop stars and all of a sudden it's oh it's way too sexual right this is uh this is this is south park controversy all over again kid kids saying curse words oh no like I, yeah and i think it's i think it's petty and lastly and I, I think maybe the most important lesson from this like pixar does not always make movies that are exactly for the audience they appear to be soul like is looks like it would like on its surface if you muted soul and couldn't see anything like you were just watching it with no sound on you might think it's a kid's movie you might think it's a movie for children it's got bouncy little characters it's not that's a movie for adults like that's a movie with adult themes it's about adults like kids i think can enjoy it maybe um but that's not exactly who that's for and like it's frustrating when somebody says well this movie's not for me and therefore i don't like it it's like i'm not even sure if you understand who it's for because it's it's and if you did i don't think you'd enjoy it anyway so mm-hmm. i don't know I, like weird weird controversy around turning red it's, it seems unnecessary i'm glad we got to talk about it a little bit uh with that being said andy any other thoughts or recommendations i'm ready oh one more thing uh, decent soundtrack from Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas. So surprised mm. that yeah, they, that's they right, really that's managed right. to nail like the boy band, <laughs> like uh, 2002 sound. Uh, so good for them. Uh, Andy, would you recommend Turning Red? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's a sweet coming of age story. Um, re- it, it really important film for representation for even just representation of a subject matter that shouldn't that for some reason is absent from most young cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of fun it's funny it's it i mean it's it's on disney plus and again this was going to be a big theatrical release but then uh family films haven't been doing particularly well uh in the pandemic so that's why it came out on uh disney plus so i i would highly recommend uh i'd recommend it as well i i I really enjoyed this uh yeah okay there's gonna be some people out there who aren't gonna like this but that's like every movie and those people uh, I would say probably should watch it because it would help them grow as people. Like, I, I don't think there's anything I mean, wrong with, with watching it. There's always too. people yeah. that are not going to like a movie that has a female <laughs> lead, unfortunately. Yeah, oh, oh, my stars and garters. Yeah, I, I can't believe they did this. Um, I'm bummed Turning Red did not come to theaters. I am. I I was going to see a movie with a buddy yesterday that works in animation and he was like what do you want to watch? And I said, I guess the Batman because literally nothing else came out last weekend. Yeah. Uncontested slate. This movie could have dropped. Nothing else would have ran against it except week two, week three of the Batman. I'm I'm bummed. I'm bummed. And and Andy's right. Like Andy's right. Like these movies are doing fine on Disney Plus, and and that is not a bad thing. Like this movie got pushed to Disney Plus. But like I I I would have liked to have seen the spectacle of what's happening here on a big screen. That's all. I, I like watching movies at the movies. All right. Yeah. That's I, there, I, there. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, I think it would. I think it would have been a good. It would have been a good crowd pleaser. Would have been a fun movie to see with a group. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, would have been good. Could have could have taken could have taken my cool wife for a date night. Would have been great. Anyway, 
Uh, that's turning red. Uh, with that being said, we need to move into our next segment. Uh, Andy, you want to introduce this for us? It's time for the death of cinema. So we, we haven't done the death of cinema in quite some time. We're going to be talking about uh, this report that came out. The uh, 2021 global box office is down 50% from pre-pandemic times. Uh, which is a good thing <laughs> because it's not, it down, not. <laughs> it's not down 80%, which it was last year. Um, so yeah. in so some numbers here for you. In 2021, uh, ticket sales topped uh, $21 billion, uh, which is up from $11 billion in 2020, but still down from the massive $42 billion in 2019. So 2019 was kind of a banner year. I think some, some of the biggest record-breaking um, numbers we had so we're about halfway there not completely recovered um but this show showing this this is going to be i mean probably several more years to get to that if ever because uh st that's the other part is streaming is so huge now and uh the streaming market is actually overtaking all the numbers previously so yeah. it's like there is no pandemic for for streaming right. um if anything it's fuel it's fueled the, the streaming numbers even more yeah I think uh, I think this can be a little scary when you're looking at the data up close. Uh, it can be a little confusing, and there's a lot of numbers, and there's a lot of years, and there's a lot of dates, and there's a lot of money getting exchanged here. But like the 35,000 foot view, the, the the important things I think you need to understand is one, online streaming is hugely popular, and it's not going anywhere. If anything, it is still growing, even though movies are coming back to theaters. There's this great fact here. Uh, in 2019, only 93 films... No, no I'm sorry. In, in 2019, only 113 movies were exclusively original streaming titles, right? Netflix originals, Disney Plus originals, whatever. In 2021, 179. It's not quite double, but that's some big growth. Like, it, it, people yeah. know what's up. And additionally, people are starting to come back to the movies, sure, but not as fast as I think movie theaters would like. And so they're getting creative. They're, they're coming up with things like, you know, variable pricing on the Batman if you want to see it in an AMC. Um, I don't know what that means, but we're not out of the woods yet. That's... That, that much is absolutely for sure. Right. Another interesting uh, thing from this study was that men are overwhelmingly fueling the uh, box office recovery, particularly the 18 to 35 male demographic are hugely supporting that when we can see that in things like Spider-Man, No Way Home, The Batman, those kind of comic book action movies, uh, that's what people are coming out to see. That's what... And and it also tells us what who is not coming out, which are older older audiences, uh, those over forty, and also uh, women are not coming back as much either, particularly older women. So we we have one of, of four demographics doing really well. Um, I'm not sure what that means because it, it's a business, so they're inclined to just do more of what works and not really take any risk for you know the audiences that aren't coming out. Yeah. Uh, additionally, families are not coming back to the yes. movies, um, which is a problem, right? For movies like Turning Red, here I am talking smack about how, man, I really wish I could have seen this in theater and notice I'm, I'm, I'm actually, Andy and I are in that going to the movies the most category and the target audience for Turning Red, which is going to be families is in the going to the movies, the least category nine out of the last 10, uh, streaming movies cited in the MPA report were kid friendly. Hold on. What am I reading here? Nine out of the last 10, 10, 10 movies. 
what am I trying not, to say? Nine of just, the top I think I just had a ten streaming movies yeah. uh, were kid friendly. So, yes. so streaming is, is huge with families and with uh, younger audiences. Yeah, streaming's huge, and it's not going away. And and I'm I'm gonna be honest, hot take, Andy. Why do you think it is? Actually, you know what? Let me tell you my hot take first, and you can either agree or disagree. I don't want to put you in spot. I think families aren't going to the movies because movies are expensive. And kids want their popcorn and kids want their drink. And those little kid pack things where you get a little bit of everything are like nine bucks. Those are not a deal. You're getting ripped off for sure. And by the time you get your whole family in, right, and your couple kiddos, you're going to be out, you know, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks going to the movies on a Friday night versus renting it at home and watching it as many times as your kid want on repeat over and over and over again. Yeah, Um, I mean, something like turning red i'm sure it was massive for family this weekend i mean I, I saw someone post that they're you know they'd seen it five times because their child had watched it five times over the weekend yeah um me- and so you, you can do that with a, a brand new high quality release and yeah it, and it's not just the price it's the convenience because you know if if you go out on a friday night you you got to schedule you got to get people together you got to drive and again it's expensive or you could stay in watch at your own leisure you know you spend half as much money on on snacks at home. Um, I mean, it's it, it's it's a no brainer. It's it's a fraction of the cost not to go out. Now, other side of the coin, why are men aged eighteen to thirty five going to the movies? <laughs> they got, they got either, the families. They got the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're either single, they're going with their buddies to see a comic movie, or they're, or they're taking a date. Up- that's yeah. what's going on. Or yeah, leave like the, the kids at home. Yes, like those are the people going to see movies. Uh, why? Why are women not going to see movies? Uh, probably because they have better stuff to do, right? Like sou- sourdough starter killed killed the killed the cinema industry. I I, I don't know exactly. I I tell you, I am bummed by the the lack of women going to movies because that's important. I think that's important to have a good even keel landscape of what's coming out at the movies. I don't want to just do comic movies and action movies all the time. That's bad. And I know Sandra Bullock's got that new movie coming out, The Lost City, but like, it's I like know, one. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's gonna do it. Um, I mean, that's that that looks like it's gonna be a funny movie that will probably bring out female audiences. But that's one. I mean, I can't think of anything else that you know. We did our our March April preview. I can't think of anything else that ap- appeals to women specifically. Yeah, right. Unless and we know all older audiences as well are just, you know, partially because of COVID fears are not coming out. Uh, you know, things that would go see things like um, Death on the Nile, no, Top Gun Maverick, you know, when which is allegedly still coming out in May. <laughs> I believe it is it, see it really May? We we better be getting a trailer it pre- any it week. It premiered now. at Cannes. It pre- yeah. they, they showed it at Cannes, so it, it, it right. has to now. It's got to happen. Yeah, it has to come out eventually. Yeah, I, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed by by the current box office landscape, and and I hope more people start going back to the movies. But like, additionally, um, you know, I get it. Like we, we're look, we're all drinking the same Kool Aid here. We're we're all in the same economy. Y'all know how much popcorn costs. I don't have to tell you how much a drink is at the movies. It's outrageous. It's obscene. And you can stay home. You can sip water on your couch for much less and much less time and much less effort and much less money. Um, people know that. And and I, I wish the response to this from theaters wasn't the same damn thing they've been doing for the last 30 years, which is just upping prices. Like, that's not it. Don't don't do that. Like, don't make it harder for people to go. Don't don't increase that 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 barrier to entry for those of us who do go to the, the movies. Like, make it easier. Making, you know, the, the theaters are just making streaming grow. 
Right. Like they're they're not helping it. Like they're hurting it, and they're and they but they're gonna you know cry and whine all the way to the bank. I guess whenever they get there, I I just I miss I miss during the pandemic when we thought movie theaters were gonna die. <laughs> we, almost, we were days. almost there. We, we were almost there. there. We then really Spider-Man, were. Spider Man came along. Yeah, <laughs> Spider Man. Spider Man came along and blew it right out of the water. Um, Chris Nolan on Suicide Watch. Uh, yeah, because he wanted to be responsible for saving cinema. Yeah, the movies are coming back, but they're coming back in a weird way, and it's different than it was before. So when you go to the movies, just remind yourself there's gonna be a lot more dudes there. Uh, and it's gonna be a lot more kids, I guess. <laughs> a lot less kids, and and maybe that's a good thing if that's what you like going to the movies for. Um, but I don't know. That's what's killing cinema this week. That's the death of cinema. Any any other any other thoughts before we move on to the Adam Project? I'm ready to move on. All right. Uh, yeah. That's been so the was, death of cinema. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's been the death of cinema. Wah wah. Like that's that's been the whole thing. Um, need outro music for the death of cinema. Anyway, Andy, uh, please take it away. The Adam Project. Hi, can we maybe slow down? There's no one even following us. Don't look back. Look up. So this is the latest sci-fi action film from Netflix, starring Ryan Reynolds and uh, Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner. Uh, it is a time-traveling family drama. Ryan Reynolds comes back from the future, crash lands in uh, what I believe is 2018. Uh, and runs into his younger self, uh, played by uh, Walker Scoble, uh, who's 10, 12 at the time. Um, he's back in this convoluted plot of having to save the future from something something or other. But the movie's more about, you know, the old version meeting the younger version and them kind of talking about like, oh, what happens? Or do I do this? Do I do that? Um, the family unit is, is kind of in, not in trouble, but, but they're grieving. Uh, they've... Uh, suffered the loss of their father, um, played by Mark Ruffalo, who is recently passed. And so we have this very tense family situation where Jennifer Garner is doing her best to just keep everything together. And the the child, young, younger Adam, is um, just kind of a jerk kid about it. And he's, he's grieving in his own way. He's struggling. He doesn't really know what else to do. Um, so the, there's a lot of family drama going on as well. Uh, eventually we have to do some more time traveling and uh, they're being chased by evil time traveling corporate people from the future uh, led by uh, Catherine Keener. Um, we get some action. We get family drama. This actually works a lot better than most Netflix films. Uh, usually Netflix films really suffer in the writing. Uh, this is a lot better than uh, mo most, but it still has its issues. So Zach, what'd you think? I was surprised uh, by the Adam Project, actually. Um, when Andy pitched it for the show next week, or last week, I thought, yeah, okay, yeah, it's on streaming. It's easy to get to. We've, we've been doing a lot of th theatrical films lately. It's got Ryan Reynolds uh, from Sean Levy, the director of Free Guy. Sure, right? Like, it'll be a, a, a hundred and, how long, 116 minute streaming film. Great, right? The Adam Project. Uh, actually better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and that's saying something, because often on this show, Andy and I have come to find that when a movie is Netflix original, it's probably not going to be that good. Um, but The Adam Project excels in its script. Like, it's it's clever writing, and it's kind of time travel uh, as, as a plot device keeps you interested 
for nearly the whole runtime. I'll be honest, there were some parts where I got a little bored. It felt a little dull. And the uh, the budget trappings of this movie do start to creep in on it. But uh, they had Ryan Reynolds took all surprisingly the money. fun. Yeah, he for sure did. Absolutely. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is is definitely uh, the meat of this. Uh, so, Andy, where do you want to start talking about it? Uh, let's get into the pot a little bit more. So, Ryan Reynolds has come back to essentially save his wife, who also got lost in some sort of other time traveling thing. Uh, his wife's played by, by uh, Zoe Saldana. Uh, she shows up a, a little bit later. Uh, he is injured beca- because he has been running from some bad people. There's a whole lot of things that happen off screen. He's like, oh, the future is terrible. Everything's in- been destroyed or we have to stop this or that from happening. And But we never actually see it. We just kind of are told through it. And I really hate when that happens. Like I hate when a movie tells me how bad the future is, and then we never yes. see it. Uh, Tenet does it the same way. Terminator's guilty of that. Yeah, pretty uh, much anything with an opening, any sci-fi movie with an opening text block will will do that. They'll be like, "Well, here's here's a bunch of exposition we're going to tell you instead of show you." It's hard to get away from. Even the good ones do it. Blade Runner twenty forty nine has that. Dune does not have that. I don't think but see, Dune Blade opens Run- text. But Blade Runner twenty forty nine shows us this terrible future. Well, it's, it's still yes, true. Uh, you're you're right. It, it does get to the, the ambiance fast. Anyway, sorry. Um, th- there's a lot of great chemistry between um, Ryan Reynolds and Walker Scoble as because they're both you know supposed to be the same person, so they're both wisecracking people with attitude, and so they're kind of poking at each other the entire time. The difference is that Ryan Reynolds is the older, you know, hopefully more mature person who regrets a lot of his kind of behavior and actions uh, of his younger self, and he's trying to kind of impart some of this like hey man don't do this or don't do that or don't be this way because of things that happen in the future also th- this kind of has a little bit of a time travel ca- caveat it's always interesting what rules time travel movies decide to establish um one of the questions brought up is you know if the younger one does something does the older one instantly like is it a memory c- created in his head and um something like that in yeah. this movie the answer is no um when he returns to his main timeline all those memories will come flooding in. Um, yeah. But in it's the opposite of in Looper. It's the opposite. It's in Looper. Anything you do is in, instantly remembered by your older self. Yes. Uh, so this movie's yeah main gimmick is, is there's two main gimmicks to, to the Adam Project. Number one, Ryan Reynolds, uh, just playing Ryan Reynolds. He's just doing he's doing the snarky Deadpool Ryan Reynolds the whole movie. Van that's, Wilder. That's his character. Yes, Van Wilder. Just friends waiting. Ryan Reynolds, like it's the Ryan Reynolds, you know, it's the Ryan Reynolds you love. Um, even in Free Guy, he was a bit of a departure from traditional Ryan Reynolds because he was kind of the smiling NPC character named Guy. Um, here, he's he's snarky, he's sarcastic, he's Ryan Reynolds. And the kid is Ryan Reynolds too, right? Like it's the same kind of energy. <laughs> so the kid also is slinging Ryan Reynolds' line. And because the kid is Ryan Reynolds, older Ryan Reynolds gets to bully a child, which we get to watch in this movie. He doesn't like well, I, it, once he does actually physically bully a child, but it's a different child. Anyway, the other reason this movie works is the gimmick. It's time travel, right? And what's great in this movie that all so many time travel movies don't really want to explore is what happens when you run into yourself. Back to the Future used to say time paradox, right? The universe turns in on itself. You can't do it. You cannot. You cannot meet your 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 future or past self. Looper time says. Cop, time cop says he'll explode. Yes, Looper says you can do it, but it's not nothing really good's going to happen. Like it's it's going to get bad to worse really quickly. Uh and the Adam Project runs that straight into itself by telling you in the trailer 
your older and younger self are going to meet. That's like that's like the start of it, which is interesting and makes for a really good first act. Like this this kid's pretty good. Walt, Walter Scoble's actually pretty solid. This is his first feature film. Good for him. Ryan Reynolds is solid, right? Um, it, it keeps it moving. Though I should say, like I said at the top, you do start to feel the budget trappings of this movie because this is a small budget film. It does not have many sets, and a lot of it is shot on soundstage or green screen, even though it looks like it's in the forest. And and if you're looking for it, you do start to notice that. And I think that's one of the reasons this movie works really well on streaming. If it was on a big screen, you'd be able to see those scenes a lot easier. But at home, in a quick little story, it's 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 not bad. Yeah, there are some action sequences. Uh, yeah, because the movie actually starts out a little bit slow, but then there's a lot. You know, these uh, bad guys from the future show up and uh, they try to arrest Ryan Reynolds, um, who's also, I guess, kind of a military person. So he he can fight, too. He's got this thing that's totally not a lightsaber, but is a lightsaber. Um, <laughs> the script's very it, pop culture. Yeah. The yeah. Lightsabers. Back to the future is mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, he, he has hand to hand combat fights with uh, these ba- baddies from from the future several times. Again, Catherine Keener is on is. uh chasing him down because he knows something or he's going to stop or, you know what? It doesn't matter, <laughs> but the, the, the action is okay. It definitely seems a little small budget. And uh, again, that's where you're like, that's where the Netflix is. <laughs> yes. Uh, most of our B plot, all the stuff that h- takes place in the future that has driven our pilot, Ryan Reynolds back to the past happens all in dialogue. You, you don't ever see it. They don't ever show it. It's there's characters just saying like, I can't believe you betrayed me. And now we're here or well, you left me there and now we're here in time, you know, like, which is fine, but it definitely sidelines the kid. Uh, and and the movie starts and ends with it kind of being his story at that time in 2008, 2018. Um, but it very quickly becomes older Ryan Reynolds movie. Like he he really picks up that 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 plot and runs with it. Um, one of the things that's notable outside of like the limited locations and and the CGI, which is fine. Uh, is the cast list. Andy said at the top, there's a bunch of good names in here just off the poster. Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner, Walt, Walt, Walker Scoble. His name's Walker, not Walter. Oh my God, Andy. Walker Kid's Scoble. name is Walker. Walker Scoble, sorry. Uh, he's good. I mean it. He's, he's not bad. He's actually good to me. Uh, Catherine Keener, Zoe Saldana. Most of those people are not on set for more than like a few days. <laughs> Ryan, yeah. Ryan Reynolds is most of the movie. Jennifer Garner's on set for like, two or three days like Catherine Keener wasn't around that much like they do a good job of kind of plucking these characters and placing them individually alongside one another so you don't really see them all together and you never really get any kind of um big denouement where all of all of our cast is together at once but it works it works like it's a small budget movie but it's got a fun script it's got a good amount of locations and, and the time travel thing is enough to keep you interested. And you're like, okay, yeah, like this is a hundred. I, I was wrong at 160 minutes, so 106, 106 minute Netflix movie. It's great. It's great. Easy, light popcorn movie. Yeah. I was going to mention Mark Ruffalo's in, in here. He plays a scientist at one, one point they go back in time again, the two of them to, to see him for pl- uh, plot reasons. And so you have a fun moment where Mark Ruffalo has, two versions of his son he gets to interact with and there's you know so so they do some of that kind of fun sci-fi thing yeah like and that and that a little like how scream five like had a fun script because it's meta 
this has a fun script because it's constantly turning characters back on themselves and like just like Looper or Back to the Future or any other decent time travel movie like you're going to have fun but before you know it the movie's going to be rolling in the credits and you're like man that was a good time um and i think that's what's so effective about this movie is that it's it's disarmingly good i did not think it was going to be as good as it was <laughs> it's not great um but it's pretty solid right andy yeah i think so any other thoughts for recommendations i'm ready andy would you recommend netflix's the atom project uh once again i was in save it for streaming um yep. yeah it's a fu- it's a fun little movie it it's you know if you got some time and you're looking for something fun it's got some action it's got a little bit of family drama jennifer garner's uh, kind of sidelined unfortunately uh, telling you a few of them are but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. to me anyway uh, I, yeah yeah and, and again the biggest issue with with this movie and most netflix stuff is the writing and I, and I feel like they almost had like this needed a few more drafts to kind of cohesively put like the action stuff with the family stuff and really make it work better like it, it it could have been a much better movie, but um, I'm sure it's fine by Netflix uh, standards. Uh, Sorry, I was I was I was going to say that reminds me. There's this, after the show's over because it's a bit of a spoiler. There's a scene in this movie that I want to talk to you about um, that I swear was an insert in post. Like there's no way they shot it and, and meant to include it where it's at. But I'll t- if I tell you it, I think you'll know what it is. Anyway, sorry. Is it is it my turn to review? I didn't mean to cut you off. I totally. Cut you off. Uh, yeah, sorry. yeah. So um, I would recommend it. Uh, it is better than most Netflix movies. It's a fun little thing. It's not too serious. Uh, there's a lot of jokes. Uh, it's definitely hurting on its budget action, budget bad guys, budget lightsaber, all that stuff. Um, but it, it was fine. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, this movie works because of the platform it's on. If I had seen this in theaters, I'd be like, one out of 10, this movie's trash. <laughs> this is like Gemini Man. Like, it's bad. But because I saw it on Netflix and I didn't really know what I was getting into, like surprisingly decent. Like if you're looking for something decent to throw on Netflix, it's pretty light. You don't have to think too much. You know, you can hang out and have dinner with your family or whoever. Like it's, it's, I mean, PG-13 at best. Like, yeah, Adam Project, solid, solid, solid little sci-fi film on Netflix. And, and I feel like I can give a better review because of that. Like because the barrier to entry is lower, you're not going to pay 20 bucks going to a movie theater. Um, the Adam Project. Pretty, pretty, pretty decent. And speaking of decent, uh, Andy, what are we watching next week? X. X. Uh, so we got <laughs> we we got a couple of things, uh, new releases this week. X, which is the horror film coming out next week about a group of young uh, co-eds going out to the uh, to the countryside in 1979 to film uh, an adult film. And uh, are probably all going to get get slaughtered. It's obviously a throwback to things like Ch- Texas Chainsaw and slashes uh, of the seventies and eighties. Looks like a lot of fun. It's from A twenty four. Stars Mia Goth, uh, who you might remember from Suspiria, and who else is in this? Jenny uh, Ortega from Scream Five. Right, it was super yes. good, by the way. She's she's a sideline character in that movie, but she's definitely a good good scream queen. She's she's solid. Um, right, and then the other one. <laughs> Jenna uh, Ortega, I'm sorry. This is uh, kind of a, a strange one. Uh, Deep Water, which is uh, an erotic thriller starring Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck, uh, which comes out on Hulu. I have not watched the trailer for this. I've heard, seen a little bit about this movie. Uh, it just seems kind of, it looks bizarre and it's kind of a weird choice, but it's on Hulu. It comes out this week and we're going to check that out. It has two major stars, so we'll see what it's all about. 
That's right. So here's the thing. I, I'm in the same boat with Deepwater. I haven't seen the trailer. Um, I just know it's Anna Armas and Ben Affleck and one of those one of those act- <laughs> one of those people I really want to see and the other person I don't care to see at all. <laughs> um, and I'll let y'all at home figure out which one I mean. Uh, but uh, we were talking about watching Belfast. Uh, Kenneth Branagh's new film nominated for uh, a few Academy Awards, I should say, black and white. Uh, but it's seven bucks to rent it. <laughs> I like, like, we listen, like, I like how but, we were like, I like how we were like, it's twenty bucks, no way. In the, now it's like in it's this seven economy, bucks, no way. Listen, it's a couple things here. One, Andy and I are cheap. I'll be honest. All right, that's that's true. In, in this economy, how could you not be? And two, dude, I I I've seen Kenneth Branagh's last two movies, and neither of them are good. And I know people say, well, Belfast is nominated for a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so is the artist. Like that doesn't mean it's going to be a great movie. Like so, I'm I'm glad <laughs> it's getting some love. But between the two of us, that's that's fourteen dollars net, and I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super inclined to to blow cash on that. So tell you what, it, what, what was it you said, Andy? What, what's the deal? If Belfast wins Best Picture, we're gonna watch it. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's right. If Belfast, anything that wins Best Picture, we have to see. So if Belfast yeah. wins Best Picture, we'll shell out. You know, we'll com- we'll combo it. We'll do we'll do a start a GoFundMe so we. Can I think that's fair. <laughs> While we're here, before I mean, before we do the closeout, any any. Who do you think is going to win Best Picture? Not Belfast. You don't think Belfast is going to win? Surely you don't. Um, my, the hot big money's on Power of the Dog. Because oh, it won the Critics' Choice Award. We'll see. That and well, we'll see. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk about this. There were a bunch of awards over the weekend, the BAFTAs and the Critics' Choice, and uh, right. Jane Campion won Best Director. Yep. Uh, I think Power of the Dog won Best Film or whatever. So um, It was great. Hot money's she, on on that. She won. She hopped on stage and immediately insulted Venus and Serena Williams. It's incredible. Yeah, I saw that. What did uh, she say? She said, uh, she said something about you don't have to compete against men like I yeah, do. Yeah, you don't have to compete men against men like I do, um, which was tongue in cheek. And they were taking photos after and everything. And like, that's great. She was referring to them in regards to King Richard, the Will Smith movie, which of course they are subjects in. Um, and and for what it's worth, it's because some people said, oh, she just blew her chances to win the Academy Award. I'm pretty sure the Academy already has the voting in. So. That happened before she got up on stage and said whatever she said. Um, whatever. That's a sh- another another topic for another show. But I hope Power of the Dog doesn't win. I don't. <laughs> I just don't. Look, it's fine. It's 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 fine. I, I like I like stuff with a little flash to win best picture. Like I do. I, I like I like stuff to to to. I don't know. Then again, Be- Parasite won best picture, and I thought that was huge and and power the dog is is an outsider just like parasite yeah all right it's always great when underdog gets it so if you enjoyed the show today sorry i gotta wrap this up i'm i'm, I'm wandering here if you enjoyed the show today yeah if you liked what we're doing rambling. here on off script that's true rambling man the biggest thing you can do is you can check out our facebook page uh facebook.com slash off script film review i think is our name uh, you know, where we live stream the show every Tuesday. You can follow us there for more. You can find us on YouTube where we upload our live streams. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're around. We're on all those usual podcast sites, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartMedia, where you'll find your audio-only podcast. That could be where you listen to the show right now. And if you want to help us, if you want to do us a solid, your boys here at Offscript, uh, you could subscribe. Just subscribe to the show to get new episodes delivered straight to your phone whenever they drop on Tuesday evenings. 
Uh, you can also rate and review too, if you're around, you know, tell us what you thought of the show. Tell us what you think of this very episode, this moment right now in time. Just, just, just tell us what you think. And we'll, uh, you know, read correspondence on the air if we got it. Otherwise, I'm excited to talk about next week. I don't, I don't know what X is going to be about. I don't know what Deep Water is going to be about. Maybe we'll watch Belfast. Anything could happen on Offscript episode 170. So keep it here for more. And from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bolt Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.